Hi everyone, so welcome along to this uh, on-demand lecture. We're going to have a look at some theories and models in health promotion, kind of trying to synthesize the, the things we've looked at already and, and, and sort of place them into theory. Why, why, why bother using theories or models? Um, the main reason is that in, it enables us to um, go beyond what you might consider our intuition, our best guess, um, our way, the way that we think things uh, should be done. Theories and models, and all the you know the the, the, the thought and the, the research that's gone into them. Um, gives us um, an, a way to untangle complex problems. And we've seen that uh, health is a complex problem and it's uh, caused or destroyed by many, many factors in society. Um, so it, it enables us to, to understand um, this kind of web of complex determinants rather than just thinking that it might be one or two things. So it helps us to see all the, the complexities that influence the problem we're interested in. And it also then, when we can see how everything uh, interacts, it locks, it provides us uh, with a, a roadmap on how we can act to actually improve health. And thus far, hopefully, you've seen that, that because health is determined by a wide range of, of interlocking complex determinants that just acting on one thing is not going to work. We need uh, to act across many of the, well, all of them really, but with, without that um, roadmap, without the understanding of the uh, how everything um, influences health, uh, we, we simply can't act. Or if we don't know that, we just act on, oh, I know, it's just uh, people have got to exercise more. They've got to go to the gym or they've got to I don't know, eat, eat a vegan diet or go paleo or something. So we understand it's, it's more than uh, that. There are no uh, simple solutions to complex problems. Let's put it that way. And there's something you you might find when you, you um leave university and, and and start working is that often with the you know the pressure of day-to-day -day demands in your job uh, often you practitioners can uh, not ignore but forget about using theory and kind of drift towards their own personal uh, preferences or what's more doable or what's easier so often we see a a, a drift towards um behavioral lifestyle factors while ignoring um, some of the, the other um, wider determinants outside of people's control that we might be able to influence ourselves or with the help of other services, other organisations. And again, um, if we use our own common sense, that's often value laden. It has certain, we believe the world should work in a certain way and we have our own particular values around uh, a solution so just take a minute and think what what are some of those uh some of the risks that you might um encounter if you just use a common sense approach that's not backed up by by evidence and models well again some of the things um is um 
an over-reliance on uh, the ability of individuals to change in the face of difficult circumstances or we might have a particular preference for something that's worked well for us in our particular um, life and and all the the things that we have control over or not don't have control over or we might be um, very in, in, interested in a, in a particular approach you know veganism or paleo or or, or, or something that, that perhaps is works for us is is we like but might not work across an entire population again going to the gym playing sports absolutely fantastic i i love going to the gym and training however it it won't work um at a population level and perhaps uh, when we understand all the the, the influences the determinants we can see that um if we want to improve a, a whole community a whole population's physical activity level then yes we can try and encourage those uh, people who are interested to do some volitional structured exercise in a special place using special equipment and special clothes, but perhaps the you know, most of the population would would benefit from walking more or cycling more. And then then we've got to think about well, okay, well we need to look at the you know the community, the uh, access to green space, um, community cohesion, community groups, all this type of type of thing. So it enables us to widen our approach um, and address some of the things that might not be immediately obvious so back to this definition public health is defined as the art and science of preventing disease prolonging life and uh, promoting health through the organized efforts of society the important part there the organized efforts and again the art and science well um, I guess the art is, is translating the science into um, real-life interventions in complex societies actually work so a bit of both so that, that phrase again, there are no simple solutions to complex problems. And and hopefully what you've gathered from the, the module so far, you, you might have come to this, you know, as someone who's interested in exercise or, or nutrition or both quite probably. And um, maybe the, you know, the arguments around the individual um, have, have been strongest, strongest with you. And those are the ones that you kind of, um, return to but th this whole argument around uh, individual responsibility we've got to be uh, more responsible as true as that is everyone has to try and take more responsibility um, and it's decept deceptively simple just to rely on oh well people everyone's got to be uh, just take a bit more responsibility and pull their socks up and, and, and do a bit better and all that type of stuff and that's fine if you as we know if you have um particular resources uh, if you uh, are, are lucky enough to have um, a, a wealth of um, uh, educational um, social and financial resources you may be more likely to do that but what we've seen behind that you know quite simple argument of, oh people have just got to be a bit more responsible uh, we you know when we when we look behind that argument we see a, a range of very um, powerful determinants are often outside of the control of the individual that shape people's individual behaviors in the settings of their daily life okay and these as you remember are the causes of the causes of ill health and disease and we've seen evidence that these um, determinants outside of the, the control of the individual as we know the social determinants of health or the wider determinants of health they are so powerful in terms of population level um, behavior and health behavior that we can 
uh, see a, a social pattern across society of life expectancy, of healthy life expectancy, of risk factors, physical activity, eating five fruit and veg a day. And, and this is, is again, quite remarkable. Health um, risk factors, health behaviors, life expectancy, healthy life expectancy, they're not randomly patterned across society. Health is socially patterned. And there's enormous evidence for this, and it really does speak to the power of the, the factors outside of individual control that shape behavior. So now we're going to, to go on and, and have a look at some of the things that we've, uh, we've covered thus far in the module um, as models and trying to uh, fit the, these models into an overarching uh, uh, academic theory. Okay, so let's take a whistle-stop tour through some of the things that we've looked at as a refresher and how we can actually use these as models. So first of all, um, if you remember the Ottawa Charter back in 1986, uh, still the gold standard today, um, set out many of the really important principles that we still operate by. Uh, so, you know, health is created in the settings of daily life, you know, set out the, uh, you know, the, the language for the social determinants of health. And what was the, um, um, you know, the, the complex, um, the appreciation of complexity in the Ottawa Charter? Well, it had the five action areas you build healthy public policy, create supportive environments for health, strengthen community action, develop personal skills and reorient health services towards prevention. So it recognized that we can't just work uh, on one one level, uh, that there are building the, on the Lalonde report, that there are many determinants outside of individual control, social, political, economic. And we need to work across all these five levels if we want to improve uh, uh, population health. It also, of course, gave us three strategies, advocate, enable and mediate uh, that we as professionals should tr be trying to do um, in whatever role uh, we, we occupy. We should be advocating, enabling and mediating uh, for, for health. So Ottawa Charter, the first model, five action areas that we, we learned about dealing with complexity, moving beyond just one level. The next theory um, is the social determinants of health, um, which uh, has a nice tagline, the causes of the causes of ill health. So these are, as set out by the, the, you know, the Ottawa Charter, the conditions of daily life where people are born, grow, live, work and age. And what we've understood, you know, we see all of the social determinants laid out in this, you know, the very kind of famous Dahlgren and Whitehead model that inequality in the conditions of daily life in you know, education, work, um, living conditions, neighborhood, place, all these things, inequality in the conditions of daily life caused by the inequitable, so unfair distribution of money, power and resources causes unfair and avoidable inequalities in health. So the differences we see uh, in the conditions of daily life across the country which are caused by the uh, unfair distribution of money, power and resources cause these differences, these quite sh uh, shocking differences in life expectancy and, and healthy life expectancy between the richest and, and the poorest in society, but not just these two points all the way uh, across society, we, we see a social gradient. Uh, so everyone below those uh, who are richest in society have uh, gradually worse and worse health as we uh, 
go down the social gradient. So it affects people not just at the bottom, it affects people in the middle and just below the top. Okay. So importantly, this this the social determinants of health model set out that you know this uh, is a cumulative process that kind of happens across the life course um, from you know the time when you're in the the womb to the time uh, that you're an elderly person, and then it kind of jumps can jump generations because the uh, the influence of the social determinants of health on your parents will then obviously influence your early life and, and therefore the cycle can continue. So that's the the second model, the social determinants of health, the causes of the causes of ill health. And here we're, we're, we're starting to look at the factors outside of individual control that can influence health. And all the evidence around this is, is incredibly compelling. So we also looked at this um, the explanation of how your position in society um, can lead to uh, worse health through uh, the social determinants of health. Now, if you're writing about the social determinants of health in your assignment, uh, you don't need to go into this in enormous detail, but you do need to uh, un understand that there are three pathways from social position to ill health and the basic mechanism of this. So first, if we take the, the, um, the, the diagram uh, towards the left, which is taken from Marmot and Wilkinson, Social Determinants of Health book, your position in the social structure, whether you're high, middle or low, um, will, in both the social environment and the work environment, will cause a number of uh, things to happen. Um, the, the 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 lower down the social structure you have um, you, there is one thing the first thing that can influence your your um, well-being and risk of mortality dying out before 75 or morbidity becoming ill is material factors you simply might not have uh, enough money to live a healthy life okay number one number two um, the lower down the social uh, uh, gradient you are um, both in work and the social environment, the less control you have over your life and the more frequently you'll be exposed uh, to uh, psychological stress. So the kind of uh, chronic exposure to stress throughout the decades. And this will impact your neuroendocrine system and your immune response, uh, which will uh, then impact pathophysiological changes and essentially make you more likely, make you more susceptible to chronic disease. So chronic exposure to stress through lack of uh, control in your life will basically give you more physiological wear and tear and make you more susceptible to ill health. And the, the third pathway, so we've got material, um, psychological or psychosocial, and the, the third pathway is, is health behaviors. So this is, I guess, the obvious one. Um, the lower down the social gradient you are, the less control you have, uh, and the more stress you experience. And um, quite a obvious way to deal with stress is through unhealthy behaviours, i.e. Um, smoking, drinking, eating an unhealthy uh, diet and, uh, and taking drugs and, and other such things. So um, sort of self-medicating with un unhealthy behaviours to deal with stress. So there's three pathways.
So the, the diagram above is from Public Health England and the Institute of Health Equity, which Marmot is heavily involved in. And this basically describes the same processes, but adds in a, an extra box. So I'll explain. So the wider context is, you know, the type of society you, you live in, um, I guess, with high levels of in, inequality or lower levels of inequality. Social stratification is your position in society. And then um, due to your position in society, you're exposed to different um, conditions and stresses, conditions of daily life. So again, it's got these three pathways. You might have uh, lower standards of living, um, which impacts your um, health related behaviours and impacts how much resources you have to live a healthy life. So the distribution of health. It also suggests here that um, in terms of psychosocial factors, that your community, your neighborhood, your family um, can provide you with protective uh, factors. But also, if you don't have um, good social networks, um, good supportive communities, that you, these uh, the lack of this can actually uh, um, have adverse impacts on you. And therefore, um, this pathway is, is part of the psychosocial pathway. So they they understand in this model that actually having a good community, neighborhood uh, and, and family can can buffer against some of these psychosocial stresses. But essentially, um, the, th the three pathways are the same material factors, health related behaviors and psychosocial stresses, which they kind of uh, added the extra layer in of there can be a uh, protection against this by having good community uh, uh, relations, good um, social connections and, and a supportive family. So again, being aware of that model, um, so you can concisely and um, briefly describe how social position uh, can uh, affect your susceptibility to illness is important uh, for, for the assignment. So. The other two models that we've seen are kind of models to take action to reduce or to take action on improving the social determinants of health to reduce health inequalities. So the big global um, model was from the WHO closing the gap in a generation and they had three principles. So one, improve the conditions of daily life in which people are born, grow, live, work and age um, so that everyone can you know, ha have a better experience, have more control, have less stress, etc., etc. Um, and to do this, that we need to tackle the inequitable, unfair distribution of power, money and resources. So try and make the difference between the rich and the poor uh, a bit more fair. OK, so there's not we looked at the you know, uh, increasing levels of wealth inequality and income inequality uh, globally and within the UK. So trying to make it, the country a little bit fairer so that people have uh, more money um, to have more control over their lives. And the third point was you know, build the evidence base, which is you know, constantly expanding, you know, train the work, uh, workforce and the social determinants of health. And you know, we're kind of doing this now. And the third one is raise public awareness about the social determinants of health. And again, that's something um, that we'll come back to in the third year. And actually, one of my third year students uh, has done his dissertation on. So there's some um, areas there for you to get involved in in health and, and the social determinants of health in, in a kind of slightly different way so that was the, the global that was a global model of how we um, act on the social determinants of health to reduce health inequalities and of course if we want to then look at that in the context of the uk we've got the um the marmot review 
So the Marmot Review obviously provided us with you know lots of quite shocking evidence on the um, the social gradients in health in the UK, and Marmot then gave us uh, a very a nice uh, model of how we can take action in uh, the UK to reduce health inequalities. So first, if we look at the, the very top box on this diagram, it's to reduce health inequalities and improve health and well-being. So again, we've got to improve, try to keep uh, improving life expectancy, but we also have to try and reduce the gaps uh, between the, uh, the rich and the poor and the middle. So reduce the health inequality. So uh, improve life expectancy and reduce the, the differences between the rich and poor in life expectancy and healthy life expectancy. And to do that, we need to create an enabling society. So let's talk about maximizing individual and community potential. Again, going back to the principle that health is a resource for daily life. Also, you know, enabling society in terms of you know, people having control over their life um, so that they're able to fulfill their potential and therefore will have better health. And the second point here is ensuring that um, to, to do this, to build us an enabling society, we need to ensure that uh, governments um, put health, um, environmental sustainability, and social justice, uh, you know, in all of their policies. Okay, and then Marmot talked about six um, policy objectives, six areas that we should focus on. Okay, uh, to uh, improve the social determinants of health, the conditions of daily life, and therefore reduce health inequalities. And he said that we need to act across all of these areas. We can't just pick one. We need to act on all of them. So give every child the best start in life. Create fair uh, employment and good work for all. Again, we've, we've talked about you know the, the aspect of having enough money and having enough control over your life and control in your job. It's really important for your health. So create and develop healthy and sustainable places and communities. So you know we're talking about here you know green space, uh, social capital in communities. Um, you know, neighborhood safety, we're talking about environments for walking and cycling. So stuff that, that's quite possibly um, resonates with you guys in terms of your, your linking to physical activity. So it's working with communities to try and make communities uh, better places to, to live and uh, make communities stronger so they can take control over their health. Um, so enable all children, young people and adults to maximize their capabilities and have control over their lives. OK, so going back to that word, um, having control. So you're less exposed to, to um, stresses throughout your life and therefore reduces your um, likelihood of getting chronic disease and reduces your likelihood of um, engaging in unhealthy behaviors to kind of self-medicate against you know, chronic stress. So ensure healthy standards of living for all. And that was about kind of making sure people had enough money uh, to, to live a healthy life. And again, going back to the, OK, it's, it's great us advising people what they should eat, but you know, can, they, can they afford it? And then strengthen the role of in, and, and impact of ill health prevention. So that's kind of, again, a bit like the Ottawa Charter Reorient Health Services. This is about trying to um, strengthen our um, our work around prevention, not just curing people once they become ill. So those were the six areas. Um, and and to, to do that, what we again, what we need to ensure is that um, when governments uh, write policy, 
when local governments write policy, when organisations write policy, that we need to ensure that equality, uh, you know, environmental sustainability and, and health equity are considered in those policies. We can't be um, creating uh, a country, uh, a local uh, city or an organisation that's um, you know, damaging the health of the, the, the population of that, that setting. Okay, we need to try and ensure that the policies in that setting are healthy. And again, having good evidence to do this, you know, we need evidence. We can't, um, we don't need the perfect evidence base. We'll look at that a little, little bit later, but we need good evidence to act. So that those are two linked models there. How we take action on the social terms of health to reduce health inequalities that are uh, they're kind of the big global view and then um, the Marmot's um, specific recommendations for the UK. Okay, so moving on to the foresight report again, the same types of messages, complex systems, um, very complex systems, um, specific, specifically relating to obesity. Again, the comment, you know, obesity, the drivers of obesity, dealing with obesity, uh, the consequence of, consequences of obesity, if we don't act, is very, very similar to climate change. And no one cause dominates. Similar messages uh, from the Marmot Review in terms of we need to act across all the social determinants of health, the message from the Foresight Report is that we need to act across all of the systems map because none of these areas uh, dominate. We need to act across all of them. Uh, on the next slide, we'll, we'll just look at um, uh, interventions, enablers and amplifiers uh, and what the, the suggestion was uh, for, for that. But essentially, just as we have to work across all of the, uh, the, the obesity systems map, we need to work across all of the obesity systems map at every stage of the life course so for you know for kids for teenagers young people working age population and the elderly and we need to do that locally and nationally okay so in the diagram on the left you might have your focused initiative which might have some impact you know within the the you know the population the small population or, or that you're 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 working with but how do we scale this up across you know, larger populations across society, well, you need enablers. So these are things um, that might be to uh, improve health literacy and education around these things. It might be um, creating supportive environments. And the example here is cycle lanes. It could be, you know, the, the way we arrange food in, in, in supermarkets. Um, and then the amplifiers are the really strong things. So public, healthy public policy. So, you know, um, taxing, uh, you know, the soft drinks in industry levy, so taxing sugary drinks, you know, uh, banning advertising, um, you know, in, in this example, in terms of helping cycling, you know, congestion charges so that less cars come into a city. Um, so you need to have a multiple level uh, action, a little bit like the Ottawa Charter, but just thought of in a, in a slightly different way. Um, and, and you need to um, in all of the areas that they identify, so psychosocial activity, physiological food, you need to be able to have these initiative enablers and amplifiers um, nationally, locally, and at an individual level. So you need to tackle also all parts of the, the systems map using all levels of the initiatives, enablers, and amplifiers, both at the individual level, the local level, and the national level, and the the, the the bottom right here, across the life course, okay? And it suggests that as 
we move through uh, generations, the impact will become larger and larger. So the Foresight Report, the Marmot Review, Closing the Gap in a Generation, again, they are they provide models uh, for, they, well, they provide lots of evidence of why we should act for a start and recommendations on what we should do and models on how we can act um, to address the, the, the complex determinants of you know, health inequalities, and and obesity so they they are really useful um useful approaches and they can help you uh, in terms of uh your assignment in terms of describing um you know what's the evidence what sh what do we know uh, about uh, the problem what can be done to address it and again using these models and when you perhaps focus down in section two of either assignment and talk about a particular intervention in the third section you can talk about what else needs to be done um, via these models to um, you know, have a bigger impact uh, across society to either improve, uh, uh, reduce health inequalities or reduce obesity. So using these models for your assignments will be, and understanding them is really important. So we can see that public health, health promotion, population health, whichever um, area you, you tend to um, fall into or which definition you prefer or you see yourself in um, we need multiple um, theories we need multiple disciplines um, to address uh, the complexity of health in in complex societies um, so one theory is not going to cut it we need you know theories at the individual level uh, and, you know, we need medicine and genetics and we need psychology and we need um, sociology and we need education and um, built environment and political science. We need the input of all of these things to effectively uh, address um, health and society. And of course, that means that public health practitioners, uh, you must work in partnership with lots of other people in a joined up way to get things done because we can't know everything from all of these disciplines ourselves. We have our own specialism, but we know that we've got to work with others um, to produce kind of like a joined up um, approaches to solving some of these problems at different levels. So we need more than one theory and more than one discipline. So we've talked about some very practical and specific models coming from reports but how does this how do these things fit in to what you might uh, you know consider uh, you know, academic theory well these models for um, you know, improving health or reducing obesity um, all share you know some common themes and we, we've seen that and they are dealing with complexity and trying to provide a framework uh, for addressing complexity. Now, often, um, if we look at some uh, models, they can be criticized for only working on one level um, or perhaps putting too much emphasis on um, psychological factors and not putting enough emphasis on on these wider factors now the the theory that fits all the things that we've looked at is called the socio socio-ecological model so um, it recognizes that there's really complex there are many factors many drivers many determinants and there's a complex association between all of the these things um, 
environment, organisation and people in a society uh, and that these all need to be addressed. So the socio-ecological model is quite a holistic model. It's looking at many factors over many different levels. It's not what we call a reductionist theory that kind of just tries to reduce the problem to one level or, look, or addresses just one level. So the socio-ecological model is what you might um, apply to, or theory is what you, you might apply to the, the, the approaches that we've, we've looked at. There's a, another model uh, which uh, is from back in 1979 by Bronfman Brenner, the ecological systems theory. And again, I, I quite like this. It's another um, socio-ecological model, but he says some quite important things back in 1979 um, that are, really resonate with, with some of the models and approaches that we've looked at. Again, um, he uh, recognised how the environment and people interact um, and that there's lots of interconnections um, between people and their environment and these interactions uh, are important. Now, he assumes something that we perhaps uh, are now starting to uh, take for granted, that if we want to help people to change their behaviour, that's going to be more uh, likely to succeed. People are going to be more successful if they are in environments that support healthy behaviours and thus the behaviour change change. He said that you know, behaviours shaped by recurring patterns of activity that take place in structured environments and these have a cumulative and combined influence on health and well-being. Well again that's just saying that your know, health is created in the settings of daily life and that you know we need to take a life course approach. And he, he criticises um, some theories um, that perhaps put too much emphasis on, on um, the individual on the individual psychological determinants because they often don't put enough weight on um, the the power of these um, these wider determinants the kind of environmental and social forces and they have a much the the social determinants of health as we would you know coin them now and you have a much larger um, influence on, on behavior change than some theories uh, give them credit. So his concept from this theory is that we, we've got to change people's behaviour, yes, absolutely, but we and we have to change the environment that in which people live. And we can't just rely on um, sustained individual effort alone to change behaviour. And this kind of, you know, brings me back when I read that to the to the model that we use. So we can't just, um, you know, help this, you know, empower this person or, or give them some um, you know, personal resources to keep pushing uh, this this health has bolder away. That's going to help them a little bit, yes. But what we've got to try and do is also reduce the um, you know the, the gradient of uh, disadvantage. And if we create an enabling society that makes this kind of gradient of disadvantage less steep, it's going to be easier for everyone um, to kind of push those, to have control over their life and push those health hazards away. So change the um, people's behavior and empower them and all that, absolutely. But also we have to act upon the environment as well. We can't just rely on people pushing as hard as possible because for some people that hill is very steep and for others it's um, not steep at all, it's pretty flat. So um, just one more thing about Bronfman Brenner's model that I quite liked really. Um, it's quite a nice way of thinking about things. So he said that um, 
his view of environments were the um, again this re relates perhaps you can see the overlay to the social determinants of health here so he said um, that individuals health is influenced by all these kind of interlocking environments so you've got the the, the micro environments this is the you know the, the conditions of daily life where people are born grow live work and age this could be the work place it could be your neighborhood um, the meso environments he's saying are the way is the environment that um, uh, connects these environments so it's perhaps how you get from a to b so how do you get from home to work or home to university um, so you know do you walk do you cycle do you take the car uh, the exo environment is quite interesting so this is how all these environments are connected by um, uh, an intangible way like a cultural way so if um, you are in a community um, or your friends are, you know, all go to the gym for example you might have a healthy community uh, if you are in a workplace that you know, values uh, employee health and has all these interventions to try and um, get individuals or the, the employees sorry to um, to engage in healthy behavior you might you know, have a cultural influence from that and and the opposite you know if you um, are in um, places or with communities who don't value health and, and engage in lots of unhealthy behavior that will influence you so that's the exo environment the kind of cultural environment and then the macro environments are you know how public policy influences health so this could be you know the built environment um, you know cycle lanes pollution levels how much green space um, what are the employment laws like so are you know do you have security and a, a minimum living wage etc and what how are the city's plans so all the kind of public policy stuff so we, we've seen through um, Marmot we've seen through um, the foresight report and we've seen through the WHO um, closing the gap in a generation um, that we've got to and the Ottawa Charter that we've got to work across the entire system and often across the entire life course looking at only one part of the system is not going to work and in your readings you might come across terms like whole systems approach or health in all policies and and these are just um, theories that again go back to Marmot's um, suggestion that that all government policy all local government policy all private organization organizational policy should be written in such a way that health and environmental factors are taken into account so when you write employment law when you set the minimum wage when you does you know uh, are, are working on the built environment and, and planning permission you know is there enough green space is there too much fast food density um, you know how ca how can um, the uh, the people in the local government in government and organizations who don't necessarily have health at the top of their or even it perhaps might not appear on their uh, priorities at all when they're writing policy and designing how things work how can we ensure that they take health into account when they're designing things that for them uh, don't appear to be related to health but as we know um, through the social determinants of health uh, your employment the way a city is planned um, how much uh, control you have on your life how much social capital there is in communities these are all important things so how do we ensure that health is written into all policies and when we um, address whole systems like organizations or cities or um, countries how do we take a, a whole systems approach again like the obesity systems map how how do we address 
all of those determinants and ensure that we're acting or we're writing policy that um, is favorable to health. So health and all policies is something you might come across and it's an approach to public policy. So that could be from a government, from a local government, even from the, the policies that uh, an organization who you might work for writes that takes into account the health implications of decisions. So it avoids the harmful, harmful impacts on health uh, to improve uh, health and health equity. So in terms of employment, you know, are you, um, do you have good uh, control over your workload? Do you have a good work-life balance? Are you paid enough to ensure that you have a healthy standard of living? So that's why often we, we hear that uh, zero hours contracts are not very conducive to, um, to health because people have no uh, security. It reduces the control they have over their, their lives. So how can we write healthy policy uh, in employment to ensure that it promotes health? So this type of approach makes um, policymakers um, gives makes them become a bit more responsible for health, even though they might be in an area that is outside of what we'd see as traditional healthcare. So it is a useful approach, and it's an approach that is um, talked about in the Marmot Review, and it's an approach that's very heavily promoted by the WHO. And again, whole systems approaches, you know, we've talked about the obesity systems map and all the, the things that influence obesity. I put a link here to the Public Health England's whole systems approach to obesity, where they were you know, heavily influenced by the Foresight Report. So again, looking at all the things in the systems that influence obesity and thinking about how we can change them to um, reduce the influence uh, of this obesogenic environment. So again, it's got, you know, talking about food environment, childcare, um, workplaces, active travel, individual support, uh, local communities, and environments that promote you know, physical activity and, and healthier eating. So looking at the whole system. So these are two things that you might come across in terms of ways uh, to address these uh, complex systems. So, so essentially what we've done is just had a bit of a review of the um, the, the models and approaches that we've we've been through and hopefully it's, it's made it clear how that how these uh, models all deal with complexity they give us solutions they give us an, an approach to deal with complexity and we can essentially categorize them all as socio-ecological socio models because they're looking at um, the holistic models they're looking at all the factors they're not just looking at at one level and we've briefly highlighted um, some of the, the terms you might find uh, when you're reading about how to, to solve some of these uh, areas of complexity through uh, whole systems approaches or health in all policies.